I want to walk you through some stuff today. I want, to today, I want today to be a reminder day. A reminder of what are the truths that bind us together. We can see religion in two different ways. We can interpret the word positively and negatively. There is a pure definition for religion, relegare, Latin, to bind up. Now, you can see that positively and negatively. The positive side is this. The intent of the good side of religion is the, the common beliefs that we hold to as a group. Like that, th- These are things that, hold, that we hold tight and agree with together. The core values, the core truth. That is a proper understanding of what religion is. Then you hop over to the Western world. Religion. Oh, the rules, the regulations, the, the binding up of legalism. So you're, now you're bound up and you're in chains and bondage. That is another way to see religion. You have to choose your definition. Today I want to choose the proper definition. The things that hold us together. The things that we, can, we hold in common belief. And I hope today I can share with you before our meeting, because this is a setup for our meeting. This is to remind us why we meet. It's easy to forget. Love each other as I have loved you. This is the core. Boom, we can go home now. <laughs> Don't get up. I'm just kidding. Kevin was about to. <laughs> we are designed to love one another. And you may quietly say in your head, I'm not. I don't like I don't even like certain people. That's fine. Just because you don't know who you are doesn't change the fact of who you really are, the real you, your core identity. You've been created to be loved and to love back. To be loved by God and respond back. When you believe that, you will love others. And the more you grow in this, your heart becomes more and more gentle for people, more forgiving, more accepting. Like, it's crazy. Even those people that you don't agree with their theology, you can actually like them and love them and not let that become a barrier anymore. That, that, that is the fruit of real grace. That's what you've been called to, to love. Fellowship is essential for growth. None of us have been created to function alone, independently. Every social science study, every prison study on solitary confinement proves we are not designed for aloneness. It doesn't mean you have to have a hundred friends. One or two people, some people like. I like having a few more. Different personalities, different types. But never purely alone. Not solitary. You're not designed for that. You're designed for participation, just like the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is together as one with perfect love in them. We are designed to be in that and to be loved by the Trinity of God. Now each of us are part of the body of Christ. You and I here today happen to be part of this local body. But you are part of the universal church, the Catholic church. Did I just say that? Folks, that's what Catholic means. It's the universal church. We are all Catholic. Ha! Yeah, I just tricked you. You got got duped. You're all Catholics. This is not a Roman Catholic church. This is the Catholic church, the universal church of Christ. We are one part of the body around the world. Based on the time zone, today... Many millions of believers are coming together publicly and secretly to worship and to be together. 
We're called to do that, to encourage one another. We're not meant to be alone. I know there's this illustration of a, uh, a guy, you know, he feels like he's not growing spiritually, and, and he's talking to his pastor and they're looking at the fireplace. So the pastor takes out this coal out of the fire, sets it off to the side on its own, and it gets cold. Well, that's been used as an, as an illustration to clobber people into you have to. But there's a factual truth there. Proximity matters. You wonder why you're not connecting? If you've pulled yourself from connection, it's your fault. Listen, this is about community and growing and the desire to be an encourager as well. If you can't encourage, you may need to be the one that is encouraged. Your participation, just being here, God will speak to you. He'll speak to your heart. Our vision as a church, this is the core vision for Hope Fellowship. It is this, that we are healed and whole people who are free to be themselves in Christ. This is really what we're about. And it gets better. Our mission is this. Help people understand. That's one part. It's really important. Believe, because belief is critical, and experience the love of God. Threefold. That's why we're here. Our goal is to anybody that comes in here, wherever we go as Hope Fellowship people, we want people to have a proper understanding of who God is. Unlearn the lies of this angry God that doesn't even exist. Come to actually believe in Jesus. Believe He is who He says He is. And then experience the facts of what we believe experientially. That's what we're here for. To grow up. Next, our values. It's, it comes right out of our stuff we just talked about in the last two years. This is big. You need to be reminded of what excites us, what keeps us here, what binds us together. First, we're a group of people that accept people freely, freely and openly. Like, I think when... I've heard from guests that come in, you know, you know, you guys are so friendly, so nice, and all accepting. It's, and that's good. And that is the love of Christ. We are not a church where the story of the woman caught in adultery gets pulled out in front of the, the rulers and leaders, and they judge, but Jesus comes along and loves. That's who we are. And if we're not there yet, we're becoming that. We have not arrived. We have not got this thing perfect, Okay? Just so you know. So if you come expecting perfection, <laughs> you drop your expectations pretty quick. You know, usually people are disappointed from failed expectations. <laughs> anyway, you didn't catch that. Authentic in who we are and how we relate to each other. I don't do fake. And I encourage people to be open, honest, and transparent. I think that's a value that's critical in this church. It doesn't mean you have to be so open, you just got to everything goes out to everybody. That's really foolish. Use wisdom. But there is an authentic way of connecting with people. You know, we have really good coffee. That's an authentic truth. All right? All right. Next, freedom from religiosity. We don't have crosses up. We don't have churchy things here. Um, those, those have value. And we'll talk about those in the months to come. What's that? Turn around. Where? Oh! That wasn't there before Easter. So, anyway, it's not a traditional one. But anyway. But the point is, it's not about the systems, it's not about traditionalism. And listen to this tradition is the living faith of the dead, traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. 
So if this symbol has purpose, great, it stays. If it ceases to have purpose, we move it until we discover its purpose again and then becomes visible again. It's like pictures in your house. You have to move them around or you never see them again. They just stay and they kind of blend in. You know what I'm saying? Things do need a change. We also have great respect for the truth of the Bible. We trust the Bible. We trust that it reveals the real word, who is Jesus Christ. That's good news. You know, people say, we live by the Bible. What do you mean by that? Ah, it's, the Bible. it's in the Bible, I believe it. What are you talking about? There's so many ways to see so many stories, so be careful how you say that. Because you can Bible thump all these religious zealots and, and extremists. They're using religion. Many use the Bible. Because I believe the Bible. Well, hang on. I believe Jesus Christ, who is the Word, who gave us the written Scripture that reveals His good news and love for us. That I'm excited about. There's a lot of stuff I don't understand in there. There's a lot to learn, and there's stuff we're never going to fully figure out until we meet Jesus face to face. That's going to be exciting. But I, we, we trust the Bible. It is our authority. We're aware that the grace of God is the single greatest uniqueness of Christianity. Hope Fellowship is built on knowing who we are in Christ and the grace of Christ. This is a grace church. And like I said, we don't always get it right. We try, and when we screw up, we repent. That's how it works. And there's much grace where much is given, much is needed. (laughs) We are gracious. I believe so. And my heart is to allow people to walk through whatever things they are graciously. You know, we've had, I've had people share stuff with me that, you know, in other churches, they say, get away, you can't be a member of this church anymore, that's terrible. No way. My arm goes around them. Are you kidding? That's just pain, evidence of pain in their life. Let's love, let's help. This is not about judging people and make, people who make mistakes. So what? We are people who make mistakes. Right? Love like you need to be loved. When you screw up, love others just like that. The same gentleness, the same compassion. It is the love of God that lubricates our human relationships. This was penned by, uh, I think, your son. You know, Daniel Premier. I think it was Daniel, right? Good. Yes. So Daniel came up with this phrase, and we loved it. Because that is what is most important here in this church, in this family. That the love of Christ and what the love of Christ means, may that revelation grow. May we discover what that means more and more and more. We haven't got it all. Next, we allow people to discover the love of God which transforms hearts and motivates action. This can take years and years and years. I know when I first discovered grace, I thought, ooh, I've arrived. And I started teaching it. So, ha, I've got the PowerPoints to prove it. I can, I've, I've found it. You know, I've found my thrill on Mulberry Hill. Anyway, it, not quite the same. But the point is, I thought I had arrived at a set doctrine of truth. And then God took that and went, well, there's some good cores there that, that I want you to know, but there's much more. And now I've been growing more and more. And do you know what that does to you? It makes you more gentle, gives you more compassion for people. It allows you to look into the hurts of individuals and love them. That's the grace of Christ. It's good news. If it's not good news, it's no news. It's got to be good news. Our unique journey. I'm going to talk about ten things now um, that I have found transformed my life and transformed individuals' lives here in this church. Um, I'm not going to get deep into each one because... 
That's all I do, is I get in deep with each one. I want to summarize it as a reminder of the key things this church has discovered, the unique things, grace-related. Our view of God and a better understanding of how he views us. This is huge. My pitch of who I thought God was has radically changed. I grew up believing in an angry God that if you're good, he's near you, and when you're bad, he has to run away because he can't handle sin. He's got sin cooties. And, eh, get away. You know, until you all cleaned up, fine. Now you can come close. You know, that kind of a God. That God doesn't even exist. And so that mindset of me seeing him hindered how I related to him. And then discovering how he sees me. It's like, what? You, yes, you love me because you have to. The Bible says so. So it's kind of your duty, God. You have to love everybody. But that's not it at all. He also likes us. He likes you. He accepts you. He values you. And when you begin to see God Almighty, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit, like you and value you and have placed themselves in you as a conduit of love for others and for yourself, this changes your picture of who God is. And this has been a radical change for us here. And anybody that comes new, when they hear this, I have yet to, well, maybe one person walked out, but most people really like it. What? what? Why has it taken so long to hear this? Next, we have a new nature. Thanks to Christ dying on the cross and raising us all to new life, I did not know I had a new nature. I grew up believing I had two natures, a good one and a bad one. And if you feed the bad one, then you, know, you starve the good one, but you're supposed to feed the good one because then you starve out the bad one and all this confusion. Stop it. It doesn't exist. You have one nature. Just as a tree has one nature, an oak tree in its form of a seed has all of its attributes in that seed. And as it grows, does, does the oak sapling, does it become oakier as it grows? No! It matures. It's an oak tree. Its nature is oak. It doesn't change into a pine tree halfway through. Okay, that's weird. That's fiction. It doesn't happen. There's a science to this too. You have a single nature. And it is holy. It is clean and pure. And if you don't believe that, listen, this is really important. If you don't believe it, you're going to act just like what you believe about yourself. And you will act exactly like what you believe about who you think God is. If you don't think he exists, you'll act like it. If you think he's a mean, mean man in a rocking chair... You're going to live like that. But if you know he loves you and accepts you, and there's nothing you can do to change his love for you, nothing to make him like you more or like you less, that's going to change your actions. It's going to change it radically. This is huge for us here. Number three, we're one with Christ. This was the best kept secret. When I discovered I am one with Christ, he's not distant way out there somewhere, that I'm fused together with him, Christ in me, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27. This changed my life. And I've been discovering what that means ever since. And I continue to mature in it. And I believe all of us here are as well. You're one with him. Most churches, they teach... Here's how you can become more like Christ. By doing these things, these actions will make you like that. No. You're already like that. Those actions will become evidence of who you really are. It's the other way around. Know who you are, now be it. God made you good. Be good. <laughs> That's it. 
Instead of pounding people, stop doing wrong things. It doesn't reflect the love of Christ. Well, that's true. I want to tell people the love of Christ in them and let the Holy Spirit convict them of not sin, but of righteousness. <laughs> I used to believe that the Holy Spirit convicts us all of sin. Oh, look at all the sin in your life. And it was like sin-obsessed. Weird. If you focus on that, guess what's going to happen? More sin. But when he convicts you of your righteousness then you begin to see, wait a minute, the stuff I was doing, which I thought was conviction of sin, is actually, he's showing me that's not who I am. Hmm. Do you hear the maturing journey? The view matters. The Holy Spirit is for you. In you. Never condemning. Never. Ever. Next. Abiding. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I thought abiding was up to me. You know, I have to abide. Oh, now I'm not abiding. Okay, go over here. Now I'm abiding. I'm trying hard to abide. I'm abiding. Really? There's so much to learn about John 15. I want to teach on that. and I will be going through the book of John some more. And when we get to that section on lifting up the vines off the ground, the cutting off verses and what they really mean, you're going to be blown away. It's good news. It's good news. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Repentance, metanoia, change of mind. Wow. Abiding. I am abiding. It's unnatural for me to not abide. My new nature abides. I I forgot to put a quote up on abiding, but that's okay. Uh, We've talked about it before. But abiding has been a really unique uh, part of the journey here, discovering what abiding means. Next. Obedience. The religious swear word. Used as a club. You must obey. The Bible says so. You have to obey. Uh, You're part of this church. You have to obey. You have to do this. And boom, the list is like one thing after another. It's like, seriously, I can't keep up with all the rules. And I've seen church uh, documents that say, here's all the list of rules you have to keep. And if you go down south, there's even, they're really bad. Like, super fundamental. Like, crazy, crazy stuff. That How they control people. That's the wrong religion we've been talking about. Obedience is actually a good thing. And guess what? It comes from in you. It's the voice of Jesus in you suggesting, here, do this. Love this person. Be gentle. And all you do is say, okay, that's obedience. That's it. It's not a duty. It's a get-to. We can take that word and make it beautiful again. It's hard when you're a parent because you want your kids to obey you, and it's, it's a different system. They, they, they have to mature and grow. But when it comes to our acceptance with our Heavenly Father, how He loves us and wants us to mature, the obedience is a beautiful response of the truth we actually believe. What is it you believe then? That's why we're here, to grow in our belief. Forgiveness. This was my big Achilles heel. This is the one that showed me I was loved by my Heavenly Father. I did not believe I was fully forgiven. I spent most of my life begging God over and over and over to be forgiven because if I were to die with one unforgiveness thing, then I will go to hell. How many have ever believed that? Yeah, a lot. Religion teaches that. Therefore, it's up to you to stay forgiven up. 
It's up to you to maintain. So you could be worshiping the Lord today, having a really good time, praise God, and drive out the driver. Some guy cuts you off and you give him the bird, and, and suddenly a truck crashes into you, you're killed instantly, you didn't have time to repent. Oh my goodness, the Lord says so. You got a sin there you forgot to confess. I'm sorry, too bad, go to hell. <laughs> that is religion. That's the blunt stupidity of it. That is not the grace of Christ. When Jesus came and he died on the cross, he paid for all sin. There are many people who are going to experience hell as forgiven individuals. Think about that. Forgiveness is a gift. It's one of the fruits of the cross. There are some other benefits, and we'll talk about them as we go. But this was a biggie. And when I discovered, thanks to a book called Grace Walk, when I discovered I was forgiven, the chains were loosed, the guilt was shed, and my prayer life has completely changed. I don't ask for forgiveness anymore. I declare my forgiveness. I confess, which means to agree with God. Dear God, I confess, as in I agree, I am forgiven. I declare my forgiveness to you, and I thank you for it. I hate what I did. I'm sorry, but I confess I am forgiven. That is a prayer of faith. Instead of, please forgive me, I'm so sorry. If you do this, I'll give you more money to the church, and I'll sign for Sunday school. I'll be in nursery every Sunday if you just forgive me. That is a prayer of many religious people. You are free. That's what makes this place unique. The message we share that we hold together. Next. Christ actually is our literal life. We don't ask him into it, but we discover he is our life. No more performance-based acceptance. We don't have to pray, Jesus, please come into my heart. You can if you want to. It doesn't hurt God. Okay? But if you think about it, uh, really? Where, where? The Bible doesn't even teach that. That prayer's not in the Bible. We're called to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe He is the Son of God. Believe He has forgiven you. So I get to tell unbelievers now, you've been made clean. It's good news for you. You're clean. And when they believe that, that, and again, the Holy Spirit does the opening of their minds to allow, allow them to believe it. Sometimes it happens quietly internally. You don't have to do the hand-showing thing. It happens inside. It's real. This is big. Jesus doesn't come into our, our life. He is our life. There is no life apart from Christ, because if there is life apart from Christ, you're an independent deity. And who's holding you together then? Christ holds you together. He holds everything and everyone together. All things are held together by Him. This is good news. Do you see why belief matters? I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ. You just sang it before. Did you know what you sang? You declared truth. And man, it speaks to our soul. When our heads aren't in the mood and we begin to sing these songs, even if you come into church, I don't feel like being here this morning. It happens a lot. I see it. So what happens is the Holy Spirit uses these things to begin to soften your heart, to speak into you, melt the pain, the struggles, whatever's been, whatever you guys were fighting about in the car coming in, he melts that. He can melt it. He may not necessarily... But we're, we've all been there. We know what it's like. That's why we're real here. That's 
why we're transparent about stuff. Next, old covenant versus new. The purpose of the old law and that we are not under it at all, ever. This is a big revelation because if you say, I believe the Bible and I live by the Bible, well, now you get into oh, which covenant are you talking about? Well, we believe it all. We've got to do it all. Well, you're missing a whole lot of things then. You have a lot of duties coming. You know, I had uh, one person uh, go up to Steve McVeigh one time and uh, said, I believe every word of the Bible. It's all inspired. This new covenant, old covenant. What are you talking about? And so Steve said, well, looks him in the eye real close. So I see you have two eyes. What's that got to do with it? Well, the Bible says if you ever lusteth after a woman, you're to pluck it out. And I see you have two eyes. You're lying. <laughs> well, well. Off he went. <laughs> covenant matters. That was old covenant. Jesus was speaking into the old. If your eye caused you to sin, pluck it out. He's taking what the rule makers made as, hey, we can pull down the law and make it sort of attainable. He put it back up to impossible. And he fulfills the law for you. And then he gives you his life. And he did it. It's a done deal. This new covenant's big. When we celebrate communion, it's the new covenant we celebrate. It's the good news. Next, spiritual warfare is a battle of the mind. It's not, I'm going to pray for that angel over there, slap that demon over there, and no, actually, let's get, pray for three to go over. No. Boom, I want to see. That's, does that happen? Hang on. Yes, it does. But people that are overly obsessed with signs and wonders, they only look for that stuff and don't realize the battle of the mind is far greater. Far greater. I'm not discounting that. That stuff's real. Very real. But we don't sensationalize it. Let me give you a quick update on that. There's a series at the back called Mind Matters. This is a summary of what I'm just talking about. Example. Mind busters that hold you back in life. Pessimistic negative thinking. Most common one. Negativity is poisonous to everybody. Intuitive psychic thinking. You really know what's going to happen? You really think through it? And you begin to take your worries and, well, if that happens and this happens, oh no. And then now you're all sucked up in worry. Oh no. Extremist self-absorbed thinking, you're all, it's all about you, 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 and your world, and you don't think of anybody else but you, 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 you. That's not what we're called to do. Self-depreciating thinking, you know, you're, I'm terrible, nobody likes me, go in the garden, eat worms, and, and all the lies of self-hatred. Self-hatred is not the message of love. If you are hearing yourself say, I don't like me, I don't even like me, people don't like me, my friends don't like me, I promise you, you have bought into a lie that is paralyzing you. You can't walk free until you take those lies and say, they're not true because my Heavenly Father likes me, loves me, made me perfect. I am good. Lord, please reveal this to me. Put me with some people that will speak truth into me then because my circle of friends, it's a sick system. Mental health issues spiral from this. Emotionally driven thinking. Pure emotions, nothing else. We're not called to live from emotions. Emotions have place, a place in our lives. But we don't live from them. We live from the Spirit of Christ in us. And the last one that's not on here is called fantasy thinking. And many of us are very good at it. 
as in we fantasize what can happen or what may happen and we live in a separate world in our heads and and think we got it all figured out both fears and joys we we think we got it and we don't so what do we do then we diligently guard our thoughts that's number one and number two, meditate on the grace of God and his excessive goodness towards us. Those are the two things that will fight all those other wrong types of thinking. There's a whole sermon. You don't have to buy this. That's what makes this place unique. We're called to help each other lift out of a pit of despair. We're not all in the same pit all the time, but we all stumble in it at different times. We have moments we're not thinking straight. We need each other to be gentle. We don't rub it in someone's face. It's like spouses saying, well, you obviously didn't have your prayer time today, honey. <laughs> well, that doesn't help. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, there's got to be a loving way to encourage, a gracious way, and recognize someone struggling at a moment. They're having a brain lapse, a memory lapse of their identity and don't realize it. Next, intimacy with Christ is our goal. Just as the Trinity is one, we need to grow in our understanding of our oneness with the Trinity. This is the final point. My hope is not to get right behavior out of people. (laughs) Right behavior flows out of intimacy with Jesus. When you know Him and get to know Him and believe these things I've been talking about, It is a journey, and it can take years for some of us. It matures over time. Folks, I want you to understand clearly how lucky you are. Oh, I'm sorry, religious. Blessed you are being part of this fellowship, having access to good news. Do not underestimate it. Do not. Because once you've tasted religious stuff, you don't want to go back to it anymore. This is good news. Don't take it for granted. Support it. Encourage it. Be a part of it. Because the fruit of this good news is generosity and giving, not just money, time. Serving. That's the expression of the Holy Spirit. There's much to do. What's the Holy Spirit telling you? You have it out with Him. Absolutely. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, remind us of all the good news you've given us. It's crazy to look back and think, I used to believe certain things, like, what was I thinking? And thank you that you were so gentle, and you still loved on me at that time with wrong beliefs, but you gently took time to correct them. Man, you're so patient. You're so gentle. Oh my goodness, you're slow to anger. Wow. And I thought you were quick to anger. Keep renewing my mind. Teach me how to ponder these deep truths. So in my life, it'll be fruit coming out that resembles your love and life. May that happen for everyone here. I pray this in Jesus' name.